Hello, everyone. Um, welcome to the Voltec Tech Talk with myself and Harry Hewson. Um, today, we're going to be talking about the COVID tracing applications that have emerged all around the world and their impacts on society. How are you doing, Harry? Well, thanks, Shabazz. How are you going? Pretty good. Pretty good. You know, um, looking at what's happening, it looks like things are all going in a positive direction. And it's even more exciting to see the technology behind it, you know? Absolutely. One that comes to mind is the launch of the COVID Safe app, launched in Australia just over a week ago. It's got 4.25 yeah. million downloads so far. I actually downloaded it yesterday because I didn't feel like I had enough authority to speak on it today without having downloaded it personally. Yeah, so what was your experience like? So you, just for those viewers not um, in Australia, um, COVID Safe is basically Australia's way of detecting community transmission. Um, so I'm assuming that, um, well, let's have Harry walk us through what it's like setting it up. So how was it for you? Yeah, well, uh, for the most part, it's pretty unintrusive. Um, but for the, so it does require that Bluetooth is consistently on, activated. So in the case of most people, that would be a considerable drain on their battery life. So I see that as a bit of a disincentive to using it effectively. But in terms of the information I had to provide in order to activate the app, is my name, birth date, postcode, no... Postcode? Yeah, no deeper details with regards to my address. And my yeah, mobile number. Oh, do you know if it's pinging your GPS location? I'm not sure. From what I've seen these apps at present are only using Bluetooth to ping whether you've come into contact with someone who has been you know, lighted as a COVID host. Yeah, that's very interesting. So they're using um, Bluetooth low energy technology, right? So the whole thing with Bluetooth low energy is that you're constantly broadcasting. If you have your device on broadcast mode, you're constantly broadcasting your device. Um, to all of the Bluetooth devices around you. And every smartphone, even smart TVs, um, laptops, every, every basically smart device is able to propagate a Bluetooth low energy signal. So it's so fascinating that they're using this technology. Um, it's actually well known to be used um, with um, interesting cyber attacks. If you want to track where someone is, as long as you have their bluetooth almost like a fa fingerprint you would be able to tell where someone is just by having a bluetooth device and driving around town so um it's very very interesting that there is a non-malicious use of said technology definitely seems to be the right subset of tech to use rather than gps tracking yeah if they use gps tracking that would be tanking everyone's batteries so you basically went into this app right and you put in your user name or your first name last name um i guess your locality um what do you like after that what happened what did you have to do well after that basically there's there are no menus or anything within the app to navigate various options or whatever because there are none basically it just expects you to leave it on if you turn bluetooth off it'll leave a blank notification up on your phone um prompting you to turn it back on and as far as I've seen, it doesn't really 
give any other notifications until, of course, I bump into someone who has come into contact with COVID. And then I assume it'll give me some kind of alert. It would be very interesting if you could find hotspots of likely COVID areas through this application and maybe do some disease mitigation strategies by saying, hey, we see you're going in this trajectory. Are you sure you're, do you really want to? Um, do you really want to go in this, um, I guess, position? Uh, because there could be a potential COVID cluster here. Do you want to avoid it? Because it's actually possible to determine someone's location through just Bluetooth. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this company. Have you heard of XYO? No, I haven't. So XYO are these people that want to be able to replace GPS using just Bluetooth. It's actually super fascinating. Um, so the whole idea is that you have these known points, uh, like these devices, um, that you know the latitude and longitude of. And as long as you place these devices, like three of these in a room, and you know their location, if any device is able to connect to those three devices at the same time, it would actually be able to tell the exact latitude and longitude of that entity um, through Bluetooth signals. Because wow, the signal strength is a function of distance. That's an awesome concept, actually. So it basically triangulates your position from the three, just knowing the distance yeah. from each of the three points. Yeah, I think technically it's called trilateration. Okay. But that's the general idea, yeah. So, I mean, just using trilateration, I mean, it's very interesting because a lot of people thought it was GPS. And then on thinking it's GPS, they may have opted out. But then after finding out it's Bluetooth, they may have this false, sa uh, like almost a false safety that, hey, at least they can't get my location, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, that's really fascinating. There's so much stuff the government could do with this. I'm super keen. Well, that's yeah. actually a very energetic idea. So I mean, Bluetooth is always going to be much lower energy requirement than GPS service, isn't it? Exactly. So and if you think about it, this is, yeah, this is how people used to like, um, this is how people used to find out where they're um, from, you know? I mean, where they are back before GPS. So let's say you and I are going on a road trip, Harry, right? And let's say we didn't have our smartphones. We'd have a map. How would we figure out where we are? You'd find, I guess, objects or locations that you're familiar with or determine yeah. where you are based on, you know, points of, points that you can recognize. Exactly. And that's exactly how this works. So the whole idea is that let's say you see a bit of a, let's say back in the old day, let's say, okay, this is the street name and we're trying to figure out where we are on the map. We have several streets. If we can be like, okay, once I see this street, I know that I'm adjacent to it. That's kind of how you'd get around. Or once I see this monument, I know that I'm adjacent to that. And this is the exact same system using Bluetooth low energy. So I think it's actually quite interesting. But Alongside that, I think there might also be risks associated with this, right? It can't be all like, um, it, it can't be all green, right? That's too good to be true. Of course. Ease of tracking civilians, perhaps. Yes, I saw the weirdest thing on the news the other day. Um, I don't know if you know about this um, far-right Australian politician, um, Pauline Hansen. Um, she was on the news and she said that she did not trust this app whatsoever. Um, so it seems like you have very, very, very um, strong 
strongly like vocal um almost minorities completely anti the app saying that you have a bit of a data vulnerability there yeah that's a bit of an entrenched concept i guess in particularly western societies isn't it with regards to proliferating any type of digital information it serves to be a bit paranoid about you know whether these entities are indeed well-intentioned because you know they're sheep until they're not and then they're wolves right it's almost like um the amendment in america where you have the right to bear arms unless your government goes against you not that i'm advocating for that but i'm just saying you don't know if you can trust the people that are running this and it's not just the trust in the government right like by installing this application you're putting trust in so many more people just off the top of my head um you've got the developers the developers have quite a bit of power here who knows where this application was outsourced to you know and even if it wasn't outsourced to somewhere else like like who knows what code it's running like unless this application is open source and i can verify that this is the same code that's running on my device i mean i personally I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I think it's a great idea, and I probably will end up installing it, but I would have my doubts, you know, with yeah, how my data so. is being handled. Of course, yeah. I guess another pitfall to having these politicians and leading figures of the country clash over whether it's right or just to download such an app is that the fewer people have it, the less effective it will be because obviously like herd immunity, it functions better when there are more people utilizing it with which to actually, you know, track whether you have come into contact with such a person because it doesn't work if they don't have it. And totally. on the point of who it's been outsourced to as well, the COVID tracing app in Australia is, from what I've found, um, using amazon web services yeah it definitely is so amazon web services are usually the go-to cloud providers when it comes to you know um building up cloud infrastructure at the scale that this COVID app would be um, i'm pretty sure quite a lot of um, big companies do use aws uh, they're very well known in the um, tech industry i'm pretty sure um uh, yeah that's the thing so with AWS, you have different clusters in different places, and I'm pretty sure some of this um, data is not actually staying in Australia. Um, so there's another trust, you know, an issue of trust there, you know? It's like, how do you actually know that these um, third-party data centers, one, that they're secure in the first place? So there was recently, um, I think sometime at the end of last year, November, I think, there was a... Um, a data vulnerability in a VPN. Have you heard of a V? Have you heard of the concept of like a VPN before, Harry? Yeah, virtual private network. Yeah. So, for those of you listening that don't quite know what it is, it's basically a method to hide your um, web location. So, if you log into a website, they can usually determine where you're from, um, in the sense that your internet service provider, whoever is giving you internet, they have a set of, um, I guess, IDs, also known as internet uh, IPs. And um, basically, these IPs are given to all of their users. And from that, you can usually tell the location, at least generally, of the user. Not to like an address level, but to like a region level. Um, and basically, NordVPN 
offered a service where you can hide your IP address um, and set it to someone else's IP or NordVPN's IPs. Now the problem here was that their whole business worked around security and they also outsourced their work to different servers. And even if NordVPN did everything correctly, they're trusting the servers and you're trusting NordVPN. So implicitly you're putting trust in actors that you don't actually know, you know? You're putting trust in these third-party um, third uh, data providers. So just from that principle, it's somewhat shaky um, because NordVPN in November, they ended up getting hacked. And all of, I don't think there was massive data leak, but some data was leaked, of course. So the moral of the story is, even if you do trust the developers of the COVID app, uh, just the fact that they're outsourcing their servers, who knows how many, how big the outsourcing chain is going to, you know? And who knows yeah. who actually comes across your data, you know? It'll be certainly something to pay attention to in the future to come. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm just, I'm not saying don't use this application. Like Harry said, if you have enough people using this application, you could wipe out this um you could really you probably couldn't wipe out the pandemic but you could definitely decrease the spread of this pandemic but it comes with obviously a cost to privacy or a potential risk to your privacy and like it's not even just the data storage providers right like you're also putting trust in these encryption protocols that they implement so the developers are probably having some form of encryption and if they're encryption keys aren't managed correctly that could be another potential source of um another source of instability so yeah it's definitely definitely a massive can of worms mm. um yeah yeah well i guess on that australia's model would you describe it as centralized um i think it is yeah i think it is centralized um i know that apple and google are working together to work on a decentralized model. So right now, have you heard of um, Airdrop, Harry? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, something similar to Airdrop. Basically, just for the viewers that aren't aware of Airdrop, Airdrop is a utility on Apple devices where you can transfer files between devices. It's really cool. Um, but if you look at how it works under the hood, they're actually, mm. they're actually like, to be able to transfer files like that, you will have a data leak in saying, hey, I'm ready to receive a file. Or, hey, I want to send a file. Who's around me? There's an uh, implicit data leak there. Um, but what Apple has done is that they've um, obfuscated enough information, so hidden enough information to the point where you don't actually give up too much confidential information in an airdrop. And they have the ability to do that because they generate every Apple device that's made. So they have the ability to add this protocol into it. Now, with... a uh, COVID application, um, if you wanted something as implicit as that, uh, deeply embedded to the operating system, you'd want it on Google and Apple. So I think Apple and Google are working on a decentralized, uh, obfuscated system to actually um, do something very similar to what I think um, Australia's um, COVID safe app is doing. Um, it actually sounds awesome. You know, and they have the ability to enable that by default as well, if they wanted to. Okay, and so with that sort of new protocol, would that limit the amount of information that is shared off device a bit more heavily than, I guess, the Australian yeah. model does? 
Yeah, so that's the thing. Once it's happening on their systems, they have a lot more control with one, what protocols are being used. Um, on top of that, um, you, you most of the time, um, you just if you buy a phone from a manufacturer like Apple or Google, you've already implicitly given them your trust because you trust that your data, everything is going to be on this device. So the question of trust might go down a bit. And if they use some very interesting technology like um, maybe peer-to-peer -peer data transfers through some form of obfuscation, I feel like that would be a much, much more secure system than something like COVID-safe. And just the scale that you could hit with that. Can you imagine if every Apple user, um, iPhones update over overnight, let's just say you go to bed, one morning you wake up, and they can instantly track like three quarters of the world yeah you know, well, the scale the would world. be epic. insane right uh yeah but i wonder if they what do you think do you think something like that should be opt-in or do you think that um it should be done by default well i i suppose it really as a question of personal privacy should be opt-in I don't see any reason why people would really reject the notion, particularly as you've said, you know, if you purchase one of these products from Apple or Google, you've essentially opted into trusting these providers already. Um, but there is the downside that you'll have lesser uptake in it. I don't know, maybe it should just be part of a mandatory update. But yeah, I am certainly very interested where they take this because it's quite apparent that a lot of Western societies or societies wherein there's a lot more, you know, concern or even paranoia about the idea of having your data and personal information leaked to governments, not having trust in those authorities. These are seen as violations of their civil liberties. Yes. But do you know something interesting? So on that point, if you think about it, right, let's say half of Australia opts in. Do you think that will change the way we as a society would look at, you know, data sharing? Do you think after everyone's done this, the, the respect we give our own data might go down a bit because we're used to the concept of giving away this kind of data for a good cause? What do you think? Because I can imagine back in the day, if I told you, um, let's say in the 90s, that all of your family photo albums would be shared with all of your friends instantly through something called Facebook, um, and they could look at your photo albums whenever you want them to, or whenever they want to, regardless, and you'd never be able to tell if they looked at them. Uh, I mean, that sounds like an insane proposition for that time and age, right? But now we're at a situation where we're uploading these photo albums in mass, aren't we? Yeah, that's an interesting proposition, actually, Shabazz. Um... I guess going by that metaphor, we have already effectively cheapened our perception of our own data. Right? As you said, if, if we were in 1910 and you asked me if I was okay with the idea of random people the world over seeing photos of myself and my dog, <laughs> I'd probably not be too keen on that, right? Right? You'd think so. You'd want some privacy. Or how about maybe in the 1980s, I came up with a novel saying that there's going to be someone called the Big Brother and he's going to be watching us through security cameras. 
everyone would be freaking shaking, you know? They'd be like, what? No, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to let them take my civil, civil liberty to walk around in public without being constantly recorded. But we go outside and we see cameras everywhere, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, another interesting segue there Yeah. on, on the Big Brother topic, South Korea. So they've not developed any such app as COVID safe at present but they've had a pretty high degree of success with um, regards to containing their disease outbreak. Yeah. Their approach would be seen by Western societies as kind of you know, reminiscent of the Big Brother idea, but invasive because they have a very broad-reaching surveillance state in South Korea with CCTV and other surveillance tech all over the place. But the irony there is that they have managed to avoid having physical lockdown so in losing that you know freedom of information protection they've avoided necessitating the removal of the i guess somewhat more fundamental liberty of being able to be free to move around yeah exactly that's very interesting and i wonder if there's already some security agencies that are actually using this data that they're getting maybe attaching temperature sensors to see where potential fevers are and um, determining if there are any hotspots just with surveillance footage. Because training a artificial intelligence model to be able to recognize faces is child's play, you know? Like, you can just go onto the internet right now and download an AI face model, and you can use it on your webcam and it'll be able to recognize you with zero effort. That's crazy. Um, it's crazy. Uh, I recently was looking into these little um, chips called ESP32s that are completely free to buy. Um, well, not free to buy, my bad. They're completely um, fine to buy. They're like completely legal. They're $15 or $10 on something like eBay. Um, and they come inbuilt with face recognition software that saves faces. So you just plug it in. It has a little camera on the chip. It's all computery. Uh, you plug it in, it has a camera, and then you just go in front of it, you tell it to learn your face, and then every time you walk by, you can trigger it to do something. The future is here, and it is crazy. I know. So <laughs> I'm telling you, it's not that hard. I bet you that if I was if I was in some position of power right now at an intelligence agency, that was th that would be the first thing I'd try and do. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe the whole presidents of hey, is it safe to share our data isn't even a question because it's already being shared, <laughs> you know? But then again, there are some civil laws that would probably stop something like that from happening. Um, so who knows? You'd hope so, right? <laughs> You'd hope that it's not just a free-for-all free for our data in intelligence agencies. Um, but yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, but even if, okay, let's say that it came, in, go, just walking back a sec, back to the whole idea of Apple and Google implicitly installing a software update, right? Um, I can remember um, Apple was slowing down phones to preserve battery life. At least that's why they said they were doing it. Some people say it was for planned obsolescence. Do you remember this? It was maybe a couple of years ago? Yeah, I do. I guess I bought into the idea that it was planned obsolescence, but... <laughs> yes, I think most people did. But um, yeah... Um, the whole idea there is that they're saying, hey, your battery is dying, and if you want your phone to last the whole day, you kind of need to slow it down. Which makes technical sense. Um, I'm just thinking, if there's an update that 
um, for some reason, completely axes your battery life because it won't be opt-in. I wonder how consumers would feel about that, you know? I don't think, like, imagine if you're in Australia right now where they're, uh, apparently the government is phasing out COVID procedures because we have a very low infection rate right now. Knock on wood, you know? Who knows? Um, but let's say as an Australian with COVID mostly eradicated, um, your phone manufacturer throws an update on your phone, axes your battery life for like 4%. How would that make you feel, you know? Yo, surely there are... Are there consumer protection laws against doing things like that? I guess not if Apple's managed no. to avoid being sued for doing right? similar things before, right? It's effectively the same practice as slowing down your phone intentionally. Yeah, it's a feature. Like, I don't think the government should be able to control Apple throwing features onto a phone, right? Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. It's weird, isn't it? So yeah, I, I think... There's a lot of power in throwing it on everyone's phone, but with that power, you also can't, it comes with like social responsibility. Um, yeah, trying not to be too corny here, but yeah, what do you think? Yeah, quoting Spider Man. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Change the words a bit. There, you, you've got a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, there are a lot of different flavors of these apps popping up. So, yeah, as we've gone through the Apple and Google one, the Australian edition. And the UK is, I think, at present cooking up a very similar one to COVID Safe, the one used in Australia. Yeah, definitely. So I'm just thinking, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty good. I'm, um, I'm very, very intrigued to see how it goes. And you'll need to tell me next week how your COVID Safe app is going. Like, just have a look at your battery statistics. Are, are you on an Android right now? I am. Yeah, Samsung S7. Uh, oh wow, quite a phone. That was a that was a good an one. old one, yeah. <laughs> Greatest hits, man. <laughs> Greatest hits. Uh, <laughs> nah, I've got quite a few friends on that one. Um, yeah. So, do they have like a battery information panel? Are you able to see how much power it's sucking out of your phone right now? Yeah. Um, I have to. F I mean, I've been keeping Bluetooth off because I mean I don't leave the house, so there's really no need. Yeah, but... no need. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Maybe in the future, um, if yeah. you do go I'll, out, I'll give you a, you should a two week update. Test. Give yeah, it a please bit of do time it. to suck some battery out. Uh, I'll give it a go as well, maybe on iPhone. We can have a see how it goes, you know. Cool. See who's burns faster. <laughs> faster, or oh yeah, drains more battery faster. Absolutely. <laughs> cool. Well, I guess thank you so much for your time today, Harry. Thank you for the viewers tuning in. Um, always a pleasure. Yeah. Always a pleasure. Until next time. Until next time. See ya. Okay, cool. Take care.